Welcome to the GB Sports Performance Podcast with me, Grace Brown. This podcast is all things sports, performance and fitness, and I'll be interviewing industry experts to help shed some light on these topics. For more information, you can find me at Grace Brown Fitness on socials. Welcome to the GB Sports Performance Podcast with me, Grace Brown. If you have any questions that you would like to ask me in regards to sport, performance and fitness, please do drop me a message at www.gracebrownfitness.com or at gracebrownfitness on Instagram. So today I have a podiatrist in the hot seat. Jake Heath, he has over 15 years experience in podiatry and has worked with some of the leading experts in the industry, um, especially looking at the sport and science behind our feet. Um, So today we do discuss all things feet, uh, the common injuries, the science and much more. So without further ado, let's welcome Jake onto the podcast. So we have Jake Heath in, the, in today, and Jake is a podiatrist and has a vested interest in sport, mainly with footballers, professional football. Hi, Jake. And Hello, welcome. how are you doing? I'm good. How are you today? Very good. Just um, working from home, which turns out to be busier than ever. So yeah, yeah. Uh, all okay. Excellent, excellent. So I, I like with all my interviews, I start off Tell us a bit more about you and describe the journey that you got to where you are today. Um, So I went straight to college um, and then kind of had a work experience person who said, like, what do you want to do? Um, My dad was a cartoonist, so I was really interested in in kind of animation and movement and stuff. But then I didn't inherit his ability to draw. So um, I was kind of like, I always liked helping people, wanted to get into um, kind of healthcare. And then this career guidance person said, what about podiatry? And I was like, what on earth is that? So she she was like, oh, it's feet. I was like, oh. Probably you were recommended she, that. That's so she, random. So I was like, Ugh. so then she um she basically said, no, 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 come on, you can you can help old people, young people, sports people, you can do minor surgery, you can kind of do your uh you can prescribe medicines within your kind of uh your field, and like you can be your own boss, and everyone always has a, well, everyone has a pair of feet, so you'll always have a job. And so I was like, yeah, okay. Went to uh, uni, loved it. And then I worked in the NHS for 15 years, uh, worked through COVID in intensive care and then on high-risk diabetics. But my normal job was uh, sports and exercise, kind of musculoskeletal podiatry. Uh, And I worked as an ESP, which is like extended scope. So you can do ultrasounds, your injections, you can do other things within your field of, of the foot and ankle. But I've just kind of had NHS burnout, really, because I wasn't actually able to do any of those skills which I'd learned because you're kind of really restricted from what is commissioned and what is getting referred into. So I looked up further afield because I'd uh, done some postgraduate studies in, in um, elite sports and sports medicine. And yeah, I, I kind of got my CV in front of um, this Spanish company, which just seems to have everything set up for podiatry, actually mm. doing 
foot and ankle medicine in sports. So I was kind of really, why is that not happening in, in the UK? What's, what's the barriers to that? And mm. so why can there be a, the Real Madrid podiatrist and the Spanish national team podiatrist own this clinic that's inviting me over? Mm. What, what, why is it not the same in the UK? Like, who are the people that, um, that kind of uh, either restricting um, us podiatrists who are foot and ankle specialists from getting into sport? Is it because we're not at the same level as the Spanish or is it because we just have, don't have a set pathway? So yeah, that's where I am at the moment. I went over and spent a year in Spain with um, Javier Alfaro, who's the, Span uh, the Real Madrid podiatrist. And okay. no, no, Victor Alfaro is the Real Madrid podiatrist and his brother Javi, who's yeah. the Spanish national team. And then they've kind of got 22 clinics with 160 podiatrists. And it's kind of where I am now. I'm now the Podoactiva ambassador in the UK, as well as having my private clinic in Complete Physio, which is... Mm. like an MDT clinic in in London yeah awesome I think um yeah one of uh, we've got a mutual friend that kind of suggested that I have a chat to you and one of the reasons I was really interested in getting you on the podcast is um not only some of my clients but uh, some of the amateur athletes that I work with or just general people have a lot of foot issues so mm. I thought it'd be great to get you on and answer some questions and how you fit or how um, you fit podiatry in the elite setting as well so um, I'm quite quite interested to kind of dig deeper with a few questions with you today yeah, of course. Um, so before we move on to the specifics I always like to ask this question as well and it's what's great about what you do and what's difficult about what you do um, what's great I love I love the ability of someone coming in in pain and quite a lot of the time you are just problem solving you're using anatomy to then almost uh systematically work out what's what's the issue and not all the time straight away but you can have someone walking out feeling better feeling confident you know what's going on feeling in less pain if if it says something that's even even a simple corn that's been causing loads of problems but you think mm. mechanically right okay there's a reason for this but you can just immediately help so yeah. that that feeling or, or someone coming back after a, a, a having done something that you advise and say look I've been in pain for however much time and now it's gone away and that kind of gives you goosebumps and that feeling is is really really good um and that's what why I love my job really yeah. um what's difficult I think the the position of my profession in the the kind of grand scheme of things in in the medical world is difficult because you feel as though you want to help but a lot of uh, a lot of people don't know what podiatry is and it's a relatively new profession because it was grandparenting a lot of people from chiropody which was kind of seen as the more um surface care of nails and hard skin and stuff mm. but really it was very very similar it's just now we use a lot more evidence and um and uh, evidence-based medicine to be able to kind of copy the podiatry model which is meant to be a little bit more medical uh, and that's kind of my understanding it's a little bit washy wishy-washy but yeah it's, okay. it's still trying to get my profession in into kind of have a seat at the table when you're considering the foot and ankle when actually it's like having a dentist that 
actually you go to, people are going to the GP or going to the physio or going to the surgeon when actually if it's a problem with your teeth you go to the dentist yeah so that's yeah. what we're trying to do is to try and help the profile of podiatry in yeah. in, in the UK because it seems to be well established in mm. Spain well established in America well established in Australia mm. so it's it's just kind of making sure that we're kind of I yeah I think one of the things yeah. that I, I've come up with especially with feet in what I do is um and I just thought if you would agree with this is um a lot of uh injuries actually stem from the lower limb so often from the ankle and feet so I feel like it uh or even if it's they don't have a foot problem it their knee issue might be caused by their feet so I just think it seems like such an important part that we should be looking at especially for well just not just the general population but for athletes um as well so I think hopefully you can make way with it I thought yeah yeah, so let's go into the specifics so I kind of I know we've probably touched on it already but what uh, we've kind of already touched on it but what is podiatry exactly um, and so, how does it look like in your day? So if you have someone in, for example. So what is podiatry? Basically, the, the, the health of the foot and ankle. So it could be that you've got uh, a 14-year-old boy who's playing football and he's got an ingrown toenail. So if we just use this patient and we'll yeah. say what, <clears throat> what things he could come in with. So he could come in because someone's trodden on his nail and we just need to because there's a big blood blistering it's a lot of pain you need to lance it and then you, you'll see him again or you could have an ingrowing to- toenail so then we would do a procedure to take a slither of that nail away and if it needs to be kind of permanently taken away we put a little chemical and that's that's um, called a partial nail abortion and we can do local anesthetics in that to try and um, uh, as a little surgical procedure help that and and resolve that if that player has a really prominent kind of bump on the back of the calc, like we're at the Haglands area, and he's always getting rubbing blisters, then you might need to, to advise on football boots or advise on shoes. And then possibly with this uh, company I'm working with, they make little um, carbon fiber kind of uh, braces that go round the side of the bump and, and push on the areas which aren't painful. So it offloads that painful area. Ah, if the if the player of the, if this 15 year old boy has um uh severs disease well, he's a bit old for it so say he's he's what's disease so severs is is uh, an old name for calcaneal uh, pophysitis so it's the growth plate on the back of the heel where if mm. you've got a very young active patient and that area, which is not really a, the, the part of the growth plate has not fully attached to the heel. Mm. And the Achilles, the biggest tendon in the body is pulling on that area, or there's lots of impact on that area. It can get quite sore and swollen to so have a lot of pain. So it affects mm. the ability to play sport. So you then look at the mechanics or you look at the, the, the um, flexibility of the calf if it's pulling too much, and then you prescribe some exercises for that. If he needs cushioning to be able to stop that impact on the heel, then you can provide cushioning or you can advise shoes or you mm. can give insoles. Okay. Um, and when we say insoles, it'd be orthotics to properly look at uh, or properly make a, a device bespoke for that patient. And that's what I'm doing at the moment with this um, this system from Spain. It's, it's, it's 
a weight bearing scan, which is very, very important because a lot mm. of the ones where you're just um, scanning the foot, if it's non weight bearing, you're then 3D printing something in not the correct profile of the foot. So yeah, that could yeah. be orthotics for that patient, or it could be footwear advice, it could be exercises, stretches, um, advice on medications if they need to rub something on the, on the painful areas that like an anti-inflammatory topical gel so that's kind of one patient mm. and example of lots of things that we can do for for some of the pathologies that they would see okay so in uh, while we're talking about that tell me a bit more uh, about your experience in spain and what's actually going on in podiatry in Spain um, <clears throat> and a bit more about your experience with uh, football were you working in the clinics there or were you working with some of the football teams as well <clears throat> yeah so um, the Spain they seem to have uh, a lot more of a kind of well-established podiatry kind of service it's kind of half private half public so mm. there's a bit more autonomy and podiatrists, podiatrists just seem to be the people that you go to for feet over there so you don't have this kind of uh strange referral pathway where eventually like in the uk eventually you go and see a podiatrist for your foot problem because you've already gone to the gp you've already gone to the physio you've already gone to to kind of a running shop or whatever and you're still not getting your progress so then you go mm. and see a podiatrist whereas over there it's oh you've got a foot problem go and see the foot with the feet uh, okay. that, that was German, sorry. Okay. And so these two brothers who have, have kind of always, they started off in a small clinic in this little place called Wesker, which is in the Pyrenees. Mm. And they've basically grown and grown and grown and they've become very important and quite well established amongst um podiatry as a whole as well as sport as a whole mm. and Victor is as I said the Real Madrid podiatrist and, and Javi is the Spanish national team football podiatrist and then the whole clinic and, and organization looks after the Spanish Olympic team and then oh, wow. so what's happened then is lots of other teams have joined and basketball handball team Movistar cycling yeah they've all kind of gone to this company called Podactiva because they know that they have always collected the data from all of their patients over 15 years and used that big data to keep honing and choosing their, their, their treatment techniques. They've always reinvested their kind of money to and European funding as well into the clinic to get the best te technology or to get the best um, kind of data from patients so whether yeah. it's the Vicon system which is mapping mapping movement for for a gymnast or whether it's um censored tracks to be able to test in real time athletes running or sprinting or sprint starts and yeah they just keep re re kind of uh looking at at oh, what's the word as in they keep uh, yeah they keep looking at their results and getting better they have their own yeah. research department they have their own marketing department and they've now got 22 clinics across spain so mm. madrid oh i think i lost valencia um, sevilla uh, malaga in some of the islands like um, la palma and yeah. so, oh i've lost you for a moment and so a con constant training every, every year where they bring everyone in and they give 
everyone the new research. They give everyone the... Should I put my headphones in? Um, no, I think I just I lost, lost you for a moment there. Um, uh, I think you've frozen on me, so we'll just pause for a second. Is your internet okay? Okay. Uh, yeah, it says it's... Hmm. Okay, Look, there we go. I think we're back. <laughs> there we go. Um, no worries. Okay, so... Okay. Oh, you've frozen on me. Am I frozen on you? No, you're you're fine on me. Hmm. Okay. I might just pause for a moment. Resume. Let's try that. Let's go. Okay, sorry, had a little uh, diversion there. Um, so next question I was, obviously you kind of mentioned it in terms of um, uh, the UK and how different it is um, in terms of the kind of system they have yeah. where you yeah. have to go and see lots of people. How does podiatry look in elite sport in the UK at the moment? Or is it so, still quite new? It's... it's, it's it's been there but it's not really as an established pathway it's not like uh like in my position where a young 18 year old goes into podiatry it's not like there's no pathway to be able to say well look if you're interested in sports then this is where you'd go mm. and actually um the queen mary's program in london is fantastic mm. and that was one of the ones that was set up to bring podiatrists in with doctors and with physios and with osteopaths yeah. to show that there is that kind of that career pathway and lots of people that um kind of i, I know and, and are still in contact with have gone on and it seems to be getting these young podiatrists going through and doing it so that's encouraging mm. i think what needs to happen now is is to have more um uptake from the people that are in control of the the teams so, so it would be like the physios and the, the team doctors to understand that you've got this profession which is is really can is really able to add a lot of um kind of extra information to when mm. you're dealing with uh, high pressure kind of situations to get a player to return back to sport are you kind of thinking of uh doing this kind of loading and strength program but then how do we how do we possibly offer a device or maybe a biomechanical kind of point of view to see if we can change something that's happening in that person's step at this point? It doesn't need to be forever, but can mm. we get them to be able to advance through their, their rehab uh, program faster if we use some of the podiatric interventions? So okay. it, it is changing and it's, it's looking good. I think it's a profile... Um, a, a company with a profile like Podoactive, which is already at that stage, can really mm. help kind of open the doors. So yeah. that's why, what uh, my kind of aim is to do at the moment with, with the UK is to say, look, well, we've got the people and we've got the, the, the kind of equipment that we could use to be able to fit into your medical setup for these teams. So mm. it's just kind of yeah early getting days yeah. getting there awesome okay so let's go a bit more and talk a bit more about the feet um why are the feet so important and what are the differences between men and women if you can kind of 
so explain well, a little I mean, bit why they're important I'm, I'm really interested in this and to be honest i don't know so much about the the difference and i'm reading up because a lot of research is still needs to be done within the the, the difference especially within the foot between the female and male athlete i've, I've started um, a professional doctorate with uc land exactly on this one in elite performance because i'm really interested after spending some time with with a, an amazing doctor called katrin krieger who's She's a, uh, an engine, a bioengineer, and she's done a lot of work with Aspatar and, and within her field of uh, at St. Mary's in Twickenham to look at um, football boots and, and how the difference uh, in football boots is uh, affecting the athlete. And then again, with a, with a different gender, how those differences present because we have a higher incidence of, of MET fractures, we have a higher incidence of ACL fractures, and why is that happening? And we just don't have the research because all of our mm. research has been done on kind of either military from, from years ago on kind of white 20-year-old males or, um, or academy athletes and, and or US college athletes, and those seem to be kind of a similar, similar demographic. Mm, okay. So, to be honest, with I don't know as much as as yeah. kind of lots of other people like like Katrin or the of the Aspatar clinics, but I'm upskilling in that way to be able to 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 add that to my practice and also be able to provide that to the profession as a whole if I can. Mm. Um, but why is the foot so important? Well, I mean, you think you use your feet more than your teeth, so well, generally, obviously, there's because. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Product Evil work with the Paralympics as well. So there's there's difference um, in kind of in that that I don't want to kind of say, oh, well, everyone's got feet, but well, obviously not yeah. everyone. But, yeah. but that's the kind of the generalization I'm doing. Um, but yeah, if you use your feet more than your teeth and then everyone goes to the dentist every six months, generally, um, yeah. I don't think we pay attention to our feet as much. And mm. then if you think of the load, stress, performance, yeah. demands and everything for... Uh, someone who is even an amateur athlete mm. they're still going getting their smart shoes on to go to work or they're still doing childcare in in shoes that might not be uh, the mo the best for them and then they mm. want to go and remain fit so it's another pressure day to day to kind of have the foot deal with so yeah. when something goes wrong you then have to take into account everything that's happening for that patient to be able to try and get things better so kind of leading from that, so would you say it's important on what kind of shoes you wear? Um, yes. I, if, you're, if, you're, if you're smart about using the right shoe for the right activity, I think you've got kind of carte blanche to use what you like because mm. I wouldn't say to a, to a person who doesn't have a, a massive bunion and, and forefoot pathology, never wear high heels because that's going to be a massive problem. But if you're wearing high heels for 80% of your day, then just think, simply thinking of the anatomy and the load and the stress through those structures, it's going to cause some kind of overload and, and, and tissue pathology. Yeah. So it's, if, if you use the right running shoe for your running style, technique, foot posture and everything, generally we'd expect you to be able to, to, to just rely more on your cardiovascular fitness as, as a kind of marker of, of how far you can run. Mm. 
if you're finding that you're running in, in something and it's your feet that are stopping you from running to the distance that you want to, then you definitely look at the footwear to see if that's the right kind of footwear for you. Mm-hmm. And that's where podiatrists can come in and give you that advice. And yeah. that's where it, I mean, I understand it's very complicated when there's lots of different advice coming in for zero drop shoes, barefoot running technique, yeah. all these kind of things, which have these like diets that have these peaks and troughs, whether they fit into kind of the the current trends um actually looking at what is happening with you and what is happening with your foot and and your performance and and everything is is the the real point where podiatrists can have a look because they'll take into account what your weight is what your goal is what your foot type and and strength and and Mm. ability is because that's pretty much the, the the main thing that would determine what foot foot yeah. um what sh- footwear you'd use yeah. rather than well you, the new a6 is fantastic use that for everyone well some people have a different foot profile some people have a different forefoot width to rear foot width and you can't jam everyone into the same thing so it is yeah. a bit of a kind of wild west out there to to just navigate navigate <laughs> uh, yeah, the, in, yeah just going oh, back sorry. to going right. back to football boots there's a really interesting stat where in the 2018 world cup there was something like 728 players Mm. and then there was 11 brands that were represented uh, in football boots for those 728 players and only seven boots from those brands uh no sorry there's seven brands and then there's 11 boots used by those 728 players so is there only 11 different foot profiles for width, heel, uh, weight, height, position, all these different things. So mm-hmm. the, the, the pressures on just using a football boot, which could also be classed as a device that they're using, mm-hmm. especially with tub, uh, stud patterns and, and shank strength and uh, different uppers and, and everything. Is there only 11 different types of boot that suits those 728 players probably not (laughs) well yeah like you say and reference to the diet industry and 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 a lot of things as well even with just general strength training and the way people physiology biomechanics etc everyone is different obviously you can't create well you probably can (laughs) but you can't create it costs quite a lot of money probably (laughs) um a personalized thing for every single person but I suppose that football you probably could because they've got a little bit more cash behind them well actually actually working with with some of the players they quite often especially switching brands Mm. they will get a if they've had a personalized boot the next pair that they get it's not quite right and it's not so they have they have to be a a a very very high profile player and so you think how many players actually play in the league of just the the English yeah. football league yeah true there's so they're all doing the same kind of training demands and the same training days but it's only the real top top that level that, after. That, that had named boots named after them that would mm. pr- pretty much have a have their own ones yes. made for them mm-hmm. and they go through them so quickly and change them so often it's a real real pressure Mm. yeah it's so interesting but you, I think you're so right it's like a concept of, I think when you said comparing it to a dentist that really you know we go and get our 
teeth checked however many times a year um or meant to anyway <laughs> um but we don't pay any attention to our feet unless you i think people only become conscious of it when they start say like general population for example is when you get an injury of sorts when you get pain or, yeah and pain yeah, is quite often pain. the last symptom yeah so it's like it's like anything i always think prevention is always better than cure um you know and that's why i'm condone strength training to help prevent certain injuries and um blah 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 so um i mean it's definitely going to be an eye-opener for a lot of people i Um, think um strength training and strength and conditioning is is a really really important part mm. of of um almost uh, active life so mm. it doesn't need to be an elite athlete but no. yeah it, it needs to be taken into consideration whenever you've got a patient sitting in front of you because if you're especially using a, a medical device which is what uh, orthotics are going to be classed as mm. you're then putting that into the foot to either support or change or, or um, offload something but mm. if you think about the anatomy and that tissue which is that you're working upon or part of that foot that you're working upon to mm. ensure that it's it can get back to performance and with strength and conditioning principles of, of improving them to, to get to that pre-injury or pre-soreness uh, activity uh, point mm. it's it's something that I think podiatry really needs to uh, take into account because strength and conditioning is a younger profession and I, we mentioned this before when we met um, it's a younger profession but mm. its uptake amongst the MSK world is so has been so kind of vast because mm. it, it's it's effective research is pointing that way and I think as podiatrists it would be an important part for us to add to our our, our kind of clinical practice to consider exercises sure. loading what can that patient do test retest and and add that into the notes and add that into that patient's progress yeah um yeah definitely it's already making me think i need to get my feet checked <laughs> um, haven't got touch wood no actual problems but i'm thinking won't do any harm anyhow <laughs> Um, next question I've got here what are the kind of common problems that you come across or common injuries that you come across with athletes that you've worked with um, so, um we're getting them because part of what I've, I've really kind of tried to do is to make sure that podiatry fits into these medical teams it's not like we're at the end of the referral pathway it's mm-hmm. got to slot in as assisting rather than either coming in with, uh, with totally different advice or coming in at the end where everyone's tried everything that um, mm. that they can and then they just think, well, we'll just have to go for a podiatrist then. So mm. um, we've, we see Achilles issues. Mm. And so fitting in with a, a, a kind of device to have that player who's going through the, their Achilles loading kind of program and protocols to get them back to, back to, uh, to playing having mm. just kind of a device which has got a heel raised that some of the material we're using in Spain actually compresses down over time. So it's not the same four mil or one mil or whatever. It will slowly go down at a, at a regular rate to be able to fit into that that um, player's kind of care plan. Mm. So Achilles issues, um, uh, tendinopathies basically, 
Yeah. Um, then plantar fasciitis. We've had a player with a yeah. ruptured plantar fasciitis, which is very common. And so actually it was pain. It was less painful after it had just ruptured, but he'd had a grumbling um, kind of issue for quite a long time, played through the season because that was demand for the team. And then it ruptured. Mm. So it was getting him back, also working and finding out the mechanical differences in the foot after the rupture and comparing the left and right, and then getting something into the shoes that reduced pain, got the player back to being confident to train, having some a device for the trainers and possibly the right shoes at home to then uh, have a different device in the football boots and these mm -hmm. different prescriptions, which is why I'm I'm really kind of happy with the company Productivo is because they have all of this data and they have all of this um, experience in being able to support me and if I if I able uh, if I'm able to say look this is what we've got this is what we need to work on mm. uh, for this player and this is the time frame that we've got so. Um, that, so it'd be plantar fasciitis, it'd be Achilles issues. Uh, there was a osteochondral defect in, in the fourth met head. Um, and so we just had to, again, take a, a precise weight bearing scan of that player. Then we scan his boot and we, with the kind of precision, are precisely able to offload that area so that player can play and go to England training camp. Mm. And... Um, hit try and hit their career goals and not feel like they're they're kind of playing injured really yeah um and it, it's part of the, the the care plan then because the surgeon who's advising on this knows what we're trying to do the physios that are seeing this player every day knows what we're trying to do we're able to scan and rescan in the insoles and off uh, and re related to the previous the, the scan before we gave them the insoles and then that's the test and retest and you get the feedback from the player as well so everyone is going to be involved in this process it's just um it's kind of communication yeah. and, and and education as well yeah and um, so in terms of some of the actual other than like the kind of scientific kind of devices that you use for some of these injuries that you come across yeah um what what is like the latest advice for things like plantar fasciitis? Because that's pretty common in the general population, not just you probably yeah. come across as yeah, well 100%. as athletes. So there's um, a fan fantastic paper, which was a systematic review done by uh, Queen Mary's London. And mm. that came out in 2021. And it looked at lots of papers and what was actually coming out as the, the kind of advised evidence uh, for, for treatment. And so they talked about... Um, Strapping is being effective at the, at the kind of early stages. Uh, stretching is being effective and um, uh, advice and education for the patient on kind of footwear and what they can do and making sure that the patient is totally on board. And that was in the yeah. early stages. Yeah. And then uh, going on to more chronic, so post three months, six months and further, it was advising shockwave as being effective. And then um, bespoke orthotics. So orthotics that have been made for you to precisely work with your mechanics, as well as using uh, offloading to the painful area. So that's what this, this paper from uh, mm. Queen Mary's um, talked about. And it's really interesting because it talked that there was no um, benefit from just, well, not no benefit, but there wasn't a statistical kind of uh, demonstration that off the shelf kind of devices 
were as effective and shockwave and custom orthoses for those really stubborn uh, pathologies were yeah. was I mean, stubborn plantar fasciopathies were were seen as as the most effective really but it was yeah. really interesting to see that educating and working with the patient was a very effective tool as well because yeah. someone who's got a half an hour appointment with you and you're trying to give all this information and stretches and just get given a leaflet and then you go away and you don't in the nhs don't see them again for another six months uh, sorry six weeks mm. but it can go on for six months it's you're not getting that dialogue or that feedback to see if you're doing things right or if you're getting that kind of ongoing support so working with the patient and making sure that they know what stage they're at and what they need to kind of push on with um is is was a vital part of that kind of process mm, okay no, no that's really interesting um so like basically most of the things that are given out are good it's just there's not enough contact time basically to see if the progression is yeah at think, the moment here. I think hitting it from lots of different angles is mm. is in my experience anyway um the most effective because if you kind of have done stretching for a while and then it's not really worked and then you've used insoles for a while and then that's not really worked and then you've changed your footwear and then that's not really worked mm. actually if you did those three at once with support and someone actually giving you advice um that's that's the way that i get the best results anyway because ah, okay. you're yeah. you're you are changing the loading in that area because you're using the right shoes you can yeah. be changing the kind of gator mechanics that have led to this overuse of this structure which has started to become pathological and then you can um do the stretching which then we now kind of understand that loading these structures and getting it kind of to be more active and not degenerative um is an, another thing shockwave is uh um uh, a, a, has been shown to be a very effective way to kind of almost um my understanding of it, it almost re-stimulates or activates that healing process in that area by giving these electric shock <coughs> um controlled bursts into that mm. structure so yeah. it's everything about trying to get it to heal i mean sometimes there's uh, steroid injections and that can be for really kind of uh dis mm. uh, uncomfortable ones but we know that steroids basically stop cellular activity in that area so if you're trying to regenerate and heal something it has to be ch uh, chosen to use steroids at a at the correct point if, if if it's so painful that you can't walk on it and it's not really and nothing else has worked, then it can be an effective way to get someone not limping or not in so much pain to get their mechanics back to a uh, uh, into in a better kind of uh, performance, yes. so that they can do their other day to day things. But then you'd still probably do the stretching, the insoles, and everything to make sure that this environment is perfect for this structure to to to, to improve. improve. Yeah. yeah, of course, awesome. Okay, I think that was all the questions I had for you today. Um, so I think what the next, the only thing I wanted to ask is what are you currently working on and where can people find you online? Um, so I'm currently working with three Premier League teams and that kind of keeps me busy yeah. uh, and working back and forth between here in Spain with, with kind of the links with the, with the company I mentioned, Polaractiva. What yeah. I've done is I've got my, um, I've linked up with this fantastic MDT practice. So they've got um, Pilates instructors that have got physio links and then they've got fantastic physio sonographers, right. osteopaths, 
and everyone is is working together along with the surgeons and the referrals from the Fortius clinic we oh, yeah. basically Fantastic. provide uh, have an mdt which um is in chelsea called complete physio and yeah. i'm the podiatrist there so we've been there for about a month and a half and yeah. also working and spending time in the Fortius clinic as well so it's just awesome. getting into into the, the kind of uk um sports teams um current uh, private healthcare, and um yeah working in that yeah. setup really in chelsea and it's it's been going really well very, very awesome happy. great i'll get some more i'll get all those details uh, so if anyone wants to pick your brains they can cool. get in touch um but um also what would be great is to get that um study on any of interesting studies that i could share with the audience as well that'd be awesome yeah so i'll send um, <laughs> i'll send that plantar fasciitis one through yeah to yeah because i definitely just, see people with that issue sure. yeah and i think um making sure that uh everyone like i said is on the same page and and mm. is educated to to kind of understand why are you giving me this advice why is shockwave an option why is yeah. it steroid or why is steroid being offered to me and also there are other injection therapies there's prp which is um uh, can be have its role to be able to try and help with that same objective as all the other treatments one isn't mm. better but sometimes a combination of these things can get that person back to walking um mm. back to exercise and back to kind of being without pain in those first few steps or when they're, they're kind of trigger that that, that tr trigger activity of that pain awesome well thank you so much for your time jake i no, really appreciate you. it i think it was really interesting and i'm sure the listeners will enjoy um hearing about what's going on in the podiatry world in the uk as well as spain and um yeah that's it thanks a lot and yeah, have thank a great you for rest me. no problems have a great day and Thank you for listening to the GB Sports Performance Podcast with me, Grace Brown. If you have any questions for me or my guest, please drop me a message at Grace Brown Fitness on Instagram. Thank you.